Thank you for joining us here on Tani Talks Radio. Welcome back to Tani Talks Radio, where we talk some topics for the week for the audience members to keep. We are hosted by Sheer Enjoyment Radio from SheerEnjoyment.com. We're powered by Radio.co. We're also hosted by JRoot Radio, and you can listen to us on their app as well with the, this stream. We have the Apple app for the radio station. Search Sheer Enjoyment Radio on the App Store and download it today to hear previous episodes on a loop, as well as to stream our show live. We are working on an app for the radio show for Android as well. Tonight's topic on Tani Talks Radio, and afterwards, God willing, feel free to call in to message in and to talk what you think about different things that we bring up in the topic, is that of mezuzah, the doorpost of Hashem's protection. The doorpost of Hashem's protection. All of my podcasts and episodes of the Tani Talks Parsha, TTP, Tani Talks Perkeovos, TTPA, Tani Talks DAF, TTD, Tani Talks OT, TTOT, the TTL, which is now renamed as the Tani Talks Radio Show, really, are on different podcast forums, including iTunes Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Yidpod, the Jewish Podcast App Service, downloaded on the App Store today to hear the podcast versions. Obviously, to hear the radio show itself live, we have the radio app, Sheer Enjoyment Radio is the app. You could also listen to the stream, God willing, 24-6 or so. As we add more episodes and more shows, God willing, there will be more to listen to, God willing. And the sheer, the lecture, the show is for the refuah and Yeshua of anyone who wants and anyone who needs. We are reachable at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. S-H-I-U-R. E-N-J-O-Y-M-E-N-T-R-A-D-I-O at gmail.com You can message us there if you want to come on the radio. You can message us there if you want to bring a comment or the like. Email us to come on the air of the show. The number is 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. So let's talk a little bit about the doorpost of Hashem's protection, that of the mezuzah. You know, one of the first things you do when you get an apartment or you get a house, you have to see how many doors you have. You have to see how many doorposts you have. How many mezuzahs do you need? But the question question is, do you ever wonder why we have a mezuzah? you ever wonder what it really represents? How many doors and alleys does your house or apartment have? Do they all have to have mezuzahs? Do they all contain mezuzahs? Why or why not? We have to make sure to be involved in how we have the mezuzahs. And hopefully you can hear me. We're going to raise it a little bit just in case. Hopefully it's not too loud for you. But when we have the house, when we have the apartment, we have to make sure that there are mezuzahs. I just read an article recently where a guy in a city here in the United States needed a whopping 27 mezuzahs because the builder of the house was so fascinated with doors. Can you imagine? It was a modest house, not a mansion, but he was able to have 27 mezuzahs in his house. I know our house needs 11 mezuzahs or so. And when the mezuzah doctor came, we'll talk a little bit more about him later. Because you're supposed to check the mezuzahs every three and a half years, twice in seven years. He's, he figured out we actually needed to add one because the undercarriage area in the attic is actually a livable space technically. 
I don't know, maybe, but you're able to get in there, it's more than uh, four by four tfachim or amos, so you need a certain amount of mezuzahs, and we'll talk about that. But let's see a little bit about the mezuzah itself. When we talk about the ideas, even the Jewish Federation of the Metro West and North Jersey, in Jersey points out in their explanation when it says when you're involved and I'm not quoting it exactly but when you are thinking about how you have to write on the doorpost of the house and the gates that is the mitzvah in the varam where it talks about the reason for the mezuzah the item that is affixed at an angle to the doorpost of the Jewish home the word mezuzah actually means doorpost but over time it has evolved to mean the doorpost and what is affixed to it. Very little about this important object, this important mitzvah, has been left to chance, including how it is hung. What is it about the mezuzah that's so important? Why is it hung on the doorpost? And if it's so important, why isn't it hung straight? Of course, there's always a reason for everything. And here, too, there is a reason as well. We're going to look at some sources in a little bit as well to look at that. What makes it important is the concept that the doorpost is the divining aspect, the divining line between the swirl of the outside world and the sanctity, the kedusha, the safe haven of our home, of our bias, of ourselves. Contained in the mezuzah is a tightly rolled piece of parchment, not peach, that would make it ulcer, a tightly rolled piece of parchment made from the skin of a ritually clean animal, a tahar animal, on which are handwritten traditional 22 lines, words from Devarim, the fifth of the Svarim of the books of Moshe. They are, you know, Perak Vav, and it has different psukim in it, talking about Shema Yisrael. And the parchment of the cloth is rolled from end to beginning, so that the first word Shema is on top. On the back of the parchment is the Hebrew word Shakai. I'm not going to say the actual name because it's one of Hashem's names. One of the mystical names for Hashem himself. Shakai is an acronym in Hebrew of Shomer Dalot Yisrael. Shin and then the Dalit, and then the Yud, which is one of the names of Hashem, and that is the guardian of the gates of Israel, otherwise known as the guardian of the homes of the Jewish people. Hashem is our garden, guardian, not garden. Hashem is our Shomer. We hope and we pray that Hashem is watching over all of us. It reminds us of the idea just a few weeks ago of Pesach, when the Jews were in Egypt, were in Mitzrayim, and, the, and Hashem was going through and, and destroying all the firstborn. They had to go to the doorposts of their own homes and slaughter the animal and put the blood on the doorpost. So Hashem, Kiviyachal knew, of course he knew which house was it was already, but each person had to do their hishtabas to understand the protection that Hashem would protect that house. And nowadays, many years later, the mezuzah reminds us that the real protection is not ADT, it's not the Islam and Shield, it's, I'm not even saying that right, it's not any of these companies, it's Hashem Himself. Of course, you have to do your hishtabas in a materialistic way of having that ADT or Islam or whatever you use, closing your doors, locking your doors, although many people don't, which is not good. But the real protection is the Shomer Daltot Yisrael, is the guardian of the gates of Israel, the guardians of the homes of the Jewish people. The mezuzah of an opening through which the word shakai is, vis is visible. We want to be able to see that it says Hashem's name. We want to be able to see that Hashem is peering out to us through the cloth, through the parchment. And the casing is made of a material that does not allow for a window. So if the casing is made of the material, excuse me, that doesn't allow for the window like a stone, then some feel that the word Shakai or the Hebrew letter Shin must appear on the face of the mezuzah. I'll talk a little bit more later about different types of mezuzahs, but actually one of my favorite types of mezuzahs is that frosted glass one where you can see the 
cloth in between. We had that in my house growing up. I had one on my room that was like reddish, and then there was a green one and a blue one for my brothers. But very cool how different mezuzahs have, and that's why a lot of people have this shin. It reminds us of Shakai, of Hashem's name and that it appears on the face of the mezuzah to remind us of Hashem's protection and, and the other types of mezuzahs whether it's plastic or whatever shows that letter often the parchment itself should be checked every seven years every seven years twice in seven years really every every three and a half years basically we did it actually three years or so in the end of November of 2019 or closer to the end, to the winter of 2019 so it's coming up already soon to do it again we had a really awesome guy I believe his name was the mezuzah doctor if I stand corrected or not and he was so good he came to the house went through every single one he actually found some things to fix and he fixed them Baruch Hashem and while he was here he did the thrill as well I wonder if he could do that again but the mezuzah itself we need that in the house to remind us of the Shomer Dal the mezuzah must be attached on the upper third on the right hand side of the doorway as one enters the house no less than one tefach from the top no less than one hand breath from the top the blessing precedes the hanging you see special bracha the building not used as a permanent residence such as sukkah doesn't need the mezuzah and if you have a special type of mezuzah you have a special mezuzah in your house that has a special history or special story we'd love to hear it let us know here enjoymentradio at gmail.com send us a message we're happy to put you on hopefully you're muted on the phone line we have the line of 520-453-8302 520-453-8302 you can tell us about that special mezuzah in your house in your possession in your family but if it's not a permanent residence, it doesn't need that mezuzah. That's why we don't put it up on the sukkah. With all that, the mezuzah is more than an item. The Rambam, my man, is Moshe ben Maimon, a great sage who lived during the 12th century, wrote that whenever one enters or leaves a home with the mezuzah on the door, on the doorpost, he will be confronted with the declaration of Hashem's unity. He will be aroused from his foolish absorption in temporal vanities, will realize that nothing endures to all eternity except for knowledge of the ruler of the entire universe. So that explains why the mezuzah is important, why it is hung in the doorpost. Yet mezuzahs are not restricted to the exterior doorways. We affix them to every doorway of every room in the house except for the bathroom. Obviously for Sneer's purposes and and Tahara purposes, we want to make sure that there's the Kedusha and holiness in the mezuzah itself so we can't put it in certain areas. But the question is, what direction does the mezuzah face? What direction do we put the mezuzah? The mezuzah is placed in a vertical position on the right-hand side of the door as one enters the room or enters the home. The Ashkenazi customer to fix the mezuzah on a slight angle with the top of the mezuzah angled towards the inside of the room or the house and the bottom angled towards the outside. Why is the mezuzah placed at an angle? If you never thought to ask this question, think about it. Why is it put at an angle? Shouldn't it be straight up and down? Why do we do such a strange thing? So it is done to accommodate the varied opinions of Rashi, who lived between 1040 and 1105, and of his grandson, Rabbeinu Tam. I always find it interesting when Rashi, Rabbeinu Tam, and the Machokas have a disagreement, because they were family. One was the Zayda, the old Zayda, the old Zaydi, and one of them was the grandson, the Enikal, the, the, the grandkid. So they're having a disagreement. One has one opinion one way, one has opinion another way. So what do we do? How are we going to maintain the peace? How are we going to bring Shalom between these two opinions? 
The solution is to make a diagonal because one person, one opinion says to place it vertically. That's Rashi. And one says to make it horizontally. That's Rabbeinu Tam. And also to imply that Hashem and the Torah, which the mezuzah symbolizes, are entering the room. So we want to placate Rashi, but we can't put it straight because what about Rabbeinu Tam? We want to put it horizontally, but we can't put it horizontally because what about Rashi? So to maintain the peace, to maintain the decorum, to maintain the shalom, we do the diagonal. It also reminds us as we enter the home, hopefully it could be a home of Kedusha. Hopefully it could be a home of Shalom. Hopefully it could be a home of peace and a home of much mitzvahs and much chesed and much Torah learning every single day. I want to point out to you some other sources as well. Oftentimes we use safari.org, the wonderful, wonderful online Judaic website of Jewish library sources. When we look at Devarim itself, when we look at Parag Vav, and we look at Pasuk Tet, it says, Uksavtem al-Mezuzos Beisecha Ovisharacha, like we said before. That's the main source we can think of, that it says you literally have to make that mezuzah, you have to inscribe it on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. If you have a gate in your property, it might need that mezuzah. Ask your LOR, your local Orthodox rabbi, even though we went for smicha last year, I am not your LOR. Go to your own LOR, please, in your own town, in your own neighborhood, and find out what has to be done. I was reading an article about someone that had those 27 mezuzahs, including a stone archway. The problem is you can't just put it up with a little bit of paint this tape on. You can't put it up with a little bit of two-sided tape. It's going to fall down. So how do you put it on such an archway? So he like chiseled it in and figured out a way to put it in. And he wanted to make sure that it wouldn't fall down. So for him, he did it that way. But generally, most people either hammered in. I'm not a fan of hammer nails, actually. And some people do it the, the double-sided tape way. I asked the rabbi who came to put up hours to check him a couple of years, years ago. And he, and he explained that it was okay. He sees it done different ways. But when we put it up, we want it to be on the house. We want it to be on the gates. And Devarim also points out in Paragid Aleph and Pasagid Gimel all the way to Chaf Aleph. When you obey the commandments, when you listen to the commandments in the mitzvahs of Hashem, that He gives to you this day, that you have to love Hashem, serving Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, b'chol nafshecha, b'chol levavacha, b'chol nafshecha, that Hashem will give the rain for the land in the season. Interestingly, right this week, we're in Parshas B'chokosai. In B'chokosai, famously, Hashem tells us if we listen to what He tells us, if we do His mitzvahs, we do what we're supposed to, He'll give us rain in its right time, He'll give us harvest and He'll give us plenty, bountiful things, but if you don't, a lot of terrible things can happen, and of course throughout Jewish history we saw that all too much, especially throughout the temple periods and the base of English times, terrible, terrible things. Just an interesting connection, how the Chokosa comes this week, but in Devarim, Hashem tells you, you listen and you give your heart, your soul to the service of Hashem and making the world better through Kiddush Hashem and Mitzvahs and Chesed and Torah and the like. Hashem will give us the rain in the right time, in the right season. Because we want rain but at the right time, not rain at the wrong time. And it's going to be that you're going to gather in your grain, gather in your wine, gather in the oil, and Hashem will provide grass in the fields for the cattle and you shall eat your fill. You have to make sure not to be lured away to serve other gods, God forbid and bowed out to them, God forbid. Hashem's anger will then flare up against you, shining up the skies, so there'll be no rain, and the ground will not yield us produce, God forbid. So we think about the mezuzah, we enter the home, and we hope it's a home based on wonderful Torah values, a home that has much kedusha, much Torah, much wonderfulness in the home, and the mezuzah can remind us about that as well. 
The Gemara points out in Menachos 43b that the Talmud Chacham and the sages taught in a brisa the Jewish people are beloved to Hashem and they are beloved as Hashem surrounded them with mitzvahs. If you think about it in our own lives, how many mitzvahs are physically upon ourselves? You wake up in the morning and you say modani and you, you wash your hands, physical thing right away. You get dressed and you put on the tzitzis. That is literally on ourselves for the men. And we wear the phylacteries and the tefillin on our heads and on our arms. You ever wonder why? God willing, we're going to talk about that in a future lecture on the Tani Talks Radio, God willing. But a little bit thinking about it is that there's a tefillin on the head, on the moach, on the brain, and there's one on the arm opposite the heart. Because sometimes our heart thinks something and our brain thinks something else. Sometimes our brain thinks something and our heart says something else or thinks something else. But really those are the two things that involve us for the tefillin. And we wear one on the head and one on the arms, and then we wear tzitzis on our garments. If you have a four-cornered garment, and we suppose and, and we purposely wear the four-cornered garment, that's another mitzvah literally on us. And then we have the talis, gadol for married people in Ashkenazi custom, and from bar mitzvah and Sephardi custom. And then there's the mezuzah on the doorways, the mezuzah in the doorway, and for the the, the Jewish lady on the house, oftentimes where there's the wig or the tichlon, they cover themselves as well. And and the, you know, there's the candles for Shabbos, different aspects of a Jewish home, of a Jewish life, and we surround ourselves with mitzvahs as much as we can on our person and on ourselves. Concerning them, David Hamalach says in Tehillim, in Kuf Yutes, seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Seven times a day. This alludes to the two tefillin, the four ritual tzitzis and the mezuzah, which totals seven. Two tefillin. The four tzitzis and the mezuzah. That's seven different aspects that we surround ourselves. And if you think about the keeper, which we talked about the other week, even though it's rabbinically ordained and not technically, biblically ordained, not technically medirized, but really medirabanam, that's still another thing that we in involve ourselves with as well. So we have different mitzvahs, we have different commandments and different things that apply to ourselves, to our physical selves, to our person, to ourselves. And we put that in our lives and we put that in our surroundings. And as we enter the homes, we enter different places, we see the mezuzah, we should think about the mezuzah, we should kiss the mezuzah, we should live up to what the mezuzah is supposed to be in our lives as well. There's actually a tractate called mezuzah, Mesechah's mezuzah, and in tractate mezuzah too, it talks a couple of different things about the mezuzah. But I want to point out, interestingly here, what we saw in the source itself. So the mezuzah is placed on the right-hand side of the entrance from the street into the lodge, into the house and on the right hand side of the exit from the courtyard into the lodge into the house or into the structure if a garden has a doorpost where it adjoins the courtyard the mezuzah is placed on the right hand side of the exit it's placed on the right hand side of the exit from the garden into the courtyard and if the lodge is attached to it mezuzahs are to be placed on both doors of the lodge where small rooms open into a reception room the mezuzah is placed on that doorway which is customarily used because every time we enter every time we exit we're supposed to be cognizant and mindful of the fact that we have the mezuzah that we have Hashem's protection that we have Hashem's connection we have Hashem's presence in our house in our yards in our different structures of our homes so we have a little shed in the backyard and we have a, a garage the garage has one but not the shed itself because the shed itself is a certain 
type of structure. It's not really so sturdy. It's made of a flimsy metal, and it's not even so big. Because when it comes to different things, you ask your local Orthodox rabbi, of course, but different aspects of different things might have different meanings if they need the mezuzah or not. But if you have a lodge, you have a house, you have the attached structure, the de detached structure, if that has a certain height, and we'll look at it in a little bit, it has a certain dimension, it may or may not need that mezuzah. The Gemara points out in Menachos 33b, Rava says it is a mitzvah to place the mezuzah in the hand of the adjacent to the public domain. The Gemara asks, what is the reason for this? The Rabbana, the Rabbis say it is an order that one encounter the mezuzah immediately upon one's entrance to the house. Rav Hanina from Surah says it is an order that the mezuzah protect the entire house by placing it as far outside as one can. The Gemara adds that Rabbi Hanina says, Come and see that the attribute of flesh and blood of the human is not like the attribute of Hashem Himself. The attribute of flesh and blood of the human is that the king sits inside his palace and the people protect him from the outside. He's in his home, he's in the palace with the walls and the guards, and he has usually a wall surrounding the palace, sometimes a moat, and a big protection all the way from the outside. But regarding the attribute of Hashem, it is not so. Rather, his servants, the Jewish people, sit inside their homes, but the mezuzahs are outside the homes. The mezuzahs are on the doorpost to the outside, because we sit inside our homes, but the Shomer Dal Tod Yisrael protects us from the outside. He sits from the outside. Of course, Hashem is with us wherever we go, here, there, everywhere, like the Ongel Moshe song teaches us, but He protects us from the outside. And we are on the inside, whereas the flesh and blood, he is inside and he's protected from the outside. It kind of reminds me of the idea, Lahabzal Nabis and Mingdash, that the windows were made in such a way, opposite a regular home, which would have a big window outside and try to bring in the light. It was the opposite, that the light was small and would go towards the outside to project and to show that the light, the holiness of the world, came from inside the base of Mikdash, inside the Mishkan, outside, into the world. So to here, it's a little different. Hashem protects us from the outside while we sit on the inside. As it is stated in Tehillim, Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem Yishmar Hashem is your keeper, Hashem is your shade, Hashem is on your right hand, Hashem is taking care of you. So when you're going about your travels, when you go into and outside your home, and you go into and outside a workplace, especially when it is Jewish, you think about the mezuzah, how it symbolizes Hashem is the protector. Hashem is the protection, not any of these services, not any of these things. The real protection comes from Hashem. Too often we put too much pride in ourselves, we put too much faith in ourselves, we think or whatever the official verbiage is. My wife knows that much better. She uses this plastic oftentimes to teach her students. And we think too much it's in our, ourselves, in our power, in our abilities, but it's not. It's all in Hashem. He is the real right hand. He is the real driving force. He is the real protector. He is the real ADT security, Lahabdul, if you will, of your house, of your home, of your life, of your work. He is the one really protecting us. He is the one really taking care of us, nothing else. And when we look at the mezuzah, we should think of that. We should be cognizant of that. And we should be mindful that Hashem is the real protector. Hashem is the real protection. Hashem is the Shin, the Dawah, the Nid, the Shomer, Daltod, Yisrael, the real guardian of the people of Israel, the real protector of the people of Israel. 
Gemara points out in Baba Metzia 101b in Kuf Aleph Amad Bet, the students in the study have raised a dilemma before Rav Sheshis. Upon whom is the obligation to affix a mezuzah? Where well, we see from Devarim Paragvav, the Gemara expresses surprise at the question, why did they ask about a mezuzah? Doesn't Rav Misharshia say that affixing a mezuzah is the obligation of the resident, of the person living there? It is certainly the responsibility of the renter. The Gemara amends the dilemma. Rather, the dilemma was upon whom is the responsibility to prepare the place where the mezuzah will be affixed, to bore a slit in a stone doorpost, to insert the mezuzah there. So Rav Shesha says to them, you learn this in the Mishnah, with regard to an item that does not require the work of a craftsman, the renter is responsible to make it. And this task is also something that does not require the work of a craftsman, as it is possible. So if you ever went to a building, ever went to an apartment, did you ever think to yourself, who's going to give me the mezuzahs? Who's going to give me where I'm going to go? We actually, when we first were married, we lived in an apartment, one of bars in Brooklyn. When we came to the apartment, Baruch Hashem, there were Jewish people before us, and there was mezuzahs left for us to use. We got it from one of the people in our building who turned out to be a friend of ours, and then they Maliyah. And then when we were leaving, we also left it for the people behind us. Because even though it was a Jewish-owned building, it doesn't mean that every resident in that building was going to be a Jew, was going to be a religious Jew at that. But when you come to rent it, you're the one that has to make sure to find the mezuzahs. So if you came to a building and you had an interesting story, you didn't know how to get your mezuzahs or where to get the mezuzahs, or if the mezuzahs were given to you, let me know. Send us a comment at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. You could come on the air. You could come on after we finish the sources, and you could tell us. You could call us as well, as long as you mute upon entry until it's the turn of 520-453-8302. 520 38302 is our number and you can email us at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com so while we were in the apartment that's what we did we had the mezuzahs left for us and then we left them behind for someone else and then we came to the house when we moved to Long Island we moved and we had to find a way to have the house set up we, we talked to one of the rabbis in the neighborhood and he set us up he hooked us up if you will with the mezuzahs that were then hooked up to the doorposts themselves of the doors and the aspects of the house because of the responsibility of the person living there, as the Gemara points out, to put up those mezuzahs. And the Gemara also talks about that the mezuzah should be inside the hollow reed and then affix the whole arrangement to the doorpost. Because the sages then taught in a bright stone, if one rents out a house to another, the responsibility to prepare a mezuzah for it and affix it is upon the renter. But when he leaves, he may not take it in his hand and leave with it. Rather, he must leave it there. And that's what we do when we left and the person before us, the family before us, also left it for us. Because you're really supposed to leave it because it's really talking about really belonging kind of to the apartment itself, kind of to the dira itself, to the living space itself. It's not mine. It's not the guy before me, Joe or John or whatever, or, or Yahushua or Shlomo or whatever. And it's not the next person's either. It's really towards the dwelling. And we have to leave it for the next person. And we have to make sure that they have it. But if he rented a house from a Gentile, from a non-Jew, he may take it in his hand, those mezuzahs, if he got them and he brought them and he owns them, he put it up in his apartment because if he's renting it from someone else, then he himself can take those mezuzahs and he can take them with him when he goes because they're his, because they belong to him. 
very interesting, very fascinating. So it depends if you're renting from a Jewish person or a Jewish person was before you and after you or who you're renting from, how you should go about it. The Gemara points out some different sources come up in Menachos. In Menachos 44a, in Memdalad Ahmed Aleph, the Gemara notes that the distinction is taught in a Bryce in the case of one who resides in a guest house, in a Pundaki. Very interesting words in the Gemara. This one's a fun one to say. Pundaki. A guest house, an Eretz Yisrael, or one who rents a house outside of Eretz Yisrael for the first 30 days. He is exempt. He's Pater, Pater, as my son would say. He is exempt from the mitzvah of mezuzah. From then on, he is obligated. So Hashem gives you 30 days to get your act together. 30 days, because 30 days is only a temporary rental. If you rent more than 30 days, that shows permanence. That shows kavius, if you will. That shows that you're, sh that you're lodging for the long term. So you're renting for the 30 days and on, you need to have those mezuzahs put up from that 31st day and on. But one who rents a house in Eretz Yisrael must affix a mezuzah immediately. Why? Due to the settlement, the yeshivas of Eretz Yisrael, yeshivas Eretz Yisrael, because everyone has a chilek there. Everyone has a portion there. Everyone has a certain aspect to the land because the land is ours. The land belongs to the Jewish people. So every time you come, even if you're renting for a week, you have to have mezuzahs on that dirah. You'd have to have mezuzahs on that apartment, on that house, wherever you're staying, even from that first day because of Yeshivas Eretz Yisrael, because of the settlement of the land of Israel. Isn't that interesting? So next time you go, and I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a postic, of course, but the source here, Menachos points out, you're going for Yom Tov, you're going for Sukkot, and you're renting an apartment, not just renting a sukkah, but you go into a house, you're going somewhere. If there's no mezuzah there, it may taka be that you really need to have that mezuzah. Make sure that there's a mezuzah there, especially if you're renting most likely from Jewish people or from religious people before you most likely because of Yeshivas Eretz Yisrael. The Rambam points out, Maimonides or Moshe ben Maimon in Mishnah Torah, Tefillah, Mezuzah, and the Sefer Torah, a person should pay heed to the precept of the Mezuzah, for it is an obligation of Mitzvah perpetually binding upon all, everyone. When everyone enters or leaves the home with the mezuzah on the doorpost, he will be confronted by the declaration of Hashem's unity. Blessed is His holy name, and will remember the love due to Hashem, and will be brought up from His slumbers and His foolish absorption in temporal vanities. He will realize that nothing endures to all eternity save for the knowledge of Hashem Himself. Eno Novado, only Hashem. Hashem is the real guardian. Hashem is the real protector. Hashem is the real one that is in charge. And if you have an interesting type of mezuzah, as we said before, if you're joining us now, please let us know at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. We are manning the account sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. Our number is 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. A wacky mezuzah, a silly mezuzah, an eccentric type of mezuzah, quirky mezuzah. All mezuzahs are awesome. We'd be happy to hear it as well. The Ramam also points out in that same place, if one lets a dwelling, lets a dwelling to another person, the duty is involved upon the lessee to bring a mezuzah and attach it, even if he has to pay for doing so. For the idea of the mezuzah is the personal obligation of the occupant, 
not an obligation attaching to the structure. Even though we were explaining it before in a different way, but Rambam obviously knows much better. When he surrenders, when he surrenders possession, he must not, on quitting the premises, remove the mezuzah. But if the owner is not Israelite, is not a Jewish person, the Jewish tenant, when leaving, can take it away. There are ten conditions which must exist in a dwelling to put the occupant, to put the person under an obligation to affix a mezuzah. There are ten things that have to be involved, and if you're missing even one, you're exempt from the mezuzah itself. So these are the ten. The dwelling must have a superficial area of Dalit Amos by Dalit Amos. Some sources say that's six feet by six feet. Some go up to about eight feet by eight feet. But it could be between a foot or two foot or a foot and a half. Definitely needs to be a little bit of a sizable area. Dalit Amos by Dalit Amos. Four cubits by four cubits. It must have that. It must have two doorposts. If you have one doorpost, like our alleyway into our kitchen from the dining room, it only has one. You need to have the two doorposts. In our house, we have 11, though. We have to have one, obviously, going into the dining room. We have a uh, two-sided door post alleyway, so you got to have one there. The door to the front door, of course. Not in the bathroom, but in the living room. Going into the living room, so we have theirs. In the dining room to kitchen, we don't have one, but in the kitchen to outside, obviously, we have one. And then the three kids' bedrooms, we on the three bedrooms, including the two kids and ours, has to have one. The door to the attic has to have one. In the attic under area has to have one. has to be where there are two door posts, and then going to the basement has one, going out the basement has one and the garage has one as well. So each aspect of the house needs to have it, but it has to have the two doorposts. has to be daladamas for daladamas. It also has to have a lintel and a roof and doors. The entrance should be ten handbreadths high or more. Ten tfachim high or more, that's about three inch, three or four inches or so, you times that by ten, so it's got to be, you know, thirty inches or higher. It must be a secular, not a sacred structure. It must have been put up for human occupancy. That's a very big one. So if you have a crawl space, a tiny, tiny crawl space, you can't even get in. Only a mouse could fit in. Chas v'shalom. should never have a mouse in your house. And only an animal could fit in. Chas v'shalom. never should have an animal in your house. That might not be something that has the mezuzah. It also has to have honored use, not a bathroom, and built for permanent habitation. So again, the ten aspects, as per the Rambam and elsewhere, but you have to have to have the mezuzah. It has to have that superficial area of the daladamas by daladamas. It has to have two doorposts, a lintel, a roof and doors. Entrance has to be ten tvachim high. Must be a secular, not a sacred structure. Must have been made for human occupancy. Must have honored use and built for, for permanent habitation. It has to have all of these things in order to have it. And if you count it eight, then maybe there's a different way to break down the ten. But these are the aspects involved that you have to have in order to be involved to have that mezuzah. Fascinating stuff. The mezuzah has so many beautiful aspects, esoteric aspects, spiritual aspects that we don't think about. But when we know that it's the doorpost of Hashem's protection, when we know that Hashem is our real security system, when we know that Hashem is taking care to watch out for us as the Shema Dalton Yisrael, it behooves us to understand the idea behind it. It behooves us to appreciate the idea behind it and to understand and recognize the idea behind it and the Kedusha behind that of the mezuzah. The Rochayim points out in Devarim and Perak Chavav, what we talk about Mizroa Natuya, an outstretched arm, the Torah refers to three separate means employed by Hashem to save man from being victimized by the Yetzirah. Menachos 43 talks about anyone wearing it to fill it on his arm 
fixes on his garments and as a mezuzah on his doorposts of his house will not easily succumb to sin. These are three prime protection for the Jewish male, for the Jewish person to avoid and fight the Yetzirah, the tefillin on his arms, the tzitzis on his garments, and the mezuzah on his doorposts will help someone fight the Yetzirah, fight the Averos, and try to be better in his daily life. Someone that can understand these things and can value these things can understand how it can really help him and protect him in his daily life. The Gemara points out in Kedushin, the Talmud in 34a, what is a positive mitzvah that is not timed out? A mitzvah cessation lowers man because obviously the, the ladies, the females, the Jewish ladies are exempt from time bound mitzvahs such as sukkah. Examples include the affixing of a mezuzah, like from Javar Yudalaf, to the to the construction of a ma'akeh, a parapet, or a fence, basically, a boundary, a border on the roof. I'd like to talk about that another time also, God willing, on the lecture aspect of the Tani Talks Radio, which we do every other week, keeping up with the, the former idea of Tani Talks Life, which we still call it on the podcast, at least. So this is talking here. A non-time-bound mitzvah is affixing the mezuzah to the house because it's not dependent on a certain aspect of a certain day. Obviously, after living there for 30 days, you need to do so, but it's not like you have to do it at a certain time of day. It's a wonderful mitzvah to be involved in nonetheless. And also, returning a lost item is not time-dependent. Obviously, you don't want to wait 30 years to return an object. You want to return it whenever you can, but it's not a mitzvah cessation man that is time-dependent, that is time-bound. The Shulchan Aruch points out the code of Jewish law in Yoridayim in 285, its placement, the Zeus's placement is in the outer Tefach, the Ramah, Rav Moshe Israelis, the Ashkenazi posted that we go by because the Shulchan Aruch is written by Rav Yosef Karo, which is Svarty. But the Ramah points out that there are those who say that when a person leaves his house, he puts his hands on the mezuzah there and says, Hashem Yishmar Tzitzchah Allah. And when we're talking about the personal aspect, the private aspect, we should say, Hashem Yishmar Tzitzchah Hashem will watch me, Hashem will guard me in my goings and my comings. Because as you leave the house, you know who's really in charge, Hashem is really in charge. I'm not in charge. ADT is not in charge. Even my family members are not in charge. Hashem is in charge. Hashem Yishmart say see over a see. And so too when a person enters the house, one puts his hands on the mezuzah and says, Hashem, you protect me. You guard me. You are my shield. And it's good to remember this. It's good to remind ourselves of this fact that Hashem is our protection. Hashem is our protector. Hashem is the one to make sure that we are protected day in and day out. The Gemara points out in Yuma 11b, Yud Aleph Amabed, the sages, the Chachamim taught in a Brisa, a synagogue, a base Knesset, a woman's house, a Beit Nashim, and a house jointly owned by partners, Shutafim, when they jointly own, they're all obligated in the mitzvah of mezuzah. They're all obligated in this mitzvah. Because everyone has to do that mezuzah. Everyone has to make sure to be involved in mezuzah. If you have an interesting type of house, an interesting type of location of where you live, it would be interesting to know. Let us know at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com.
You could also call us at 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302 is our number. We want to make sure to hear from you, so you could call us at 520-453-8302 and you can email us at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com sorry about that we were just plugging in the laptop of our broadcast so it wouldn't die and that's how you can reach us so when it comes to these different dwellings the different devote that's how we have to put up the mezuzah it's interesting to think if someone has a studio I wonder how many mezuzahs they might need a studio apartment is a very interesting type of apartment otherwise known as a bachelor pad where everything is basically in the same room so you have the kitchen in one area, you have the bathroom in another area, and you have the living space of the couch and the bed and the whatnot in a different area. You might only need a couple of mezuzahs, maybe one or two or three, because you think about the front door, and then there might be a closet door, or maybe an alley or a, or a or a, or an arch in the middle, but you might not need so many. But you have a massive house, you might need a massive amount of mezuzahs, or you might have a modest house with, with just an obsession for doors, like the guy we talked about in the beginning. But when it comes to the mezuzahs, wherever it is, however many mezuzahs you might have, remember who is your real protector. Remember who is your real guardian. Remember who is your real security, and that is Hashem. That is God Himself. He is the real protector. Rashi points out in Devarim, in Parag Vav, in chapter 6, Mezuzos Pesecha, the doorposts of the house. The word is written, Mezuzos, to indicate that it is necessary to fix only one Mezuzah to a door, like Menachos points out in 34a. Uvisharach, and upon the gates, the plural is used to include also the gates of courts and the gates of provinces and the gates of cities in the requirement of Mezuzah, and that's from Yuma 11a. Menachos points out in 29a, in Chavtet Amr Av, the Mishnah teaches with regard to two passages that are in the mezuzah, the absence of each prevents fulfillment of the mitzvah with the others. Furthermore, the absence of even one letter prevents fulfillment of the mitzvah with the rest of them, because every letter is necessary. Every letter is important. Every letter counts, just like every soul counts, every person counts, every neshama counts. Don't say that I will drill a hole under my seat in our boat and it won't affect everybody else. The mezuzah teaches us when you write the mezuzah and a Sefer Torah to Lahabdil, every single letter counts. If one letter is pasul, or my son would say pasul, if one letter is off, one letter is smudged, and something's wrong with that letter, the whole Torah, the whole mezuzah is null and void. It's like the Jewish people, if one rotten apple is there, it can really affect everyone around you. If there's one rotten apple in the herd, one rotten apple in the barrel, it can affect the entire barrel. You ever get a cup of fruit, you ever get a package of fruit or a container of strawberries, and you have one really rotten strawberry, one really moldy strawberry, would you still eat the other ones? The, the very Israeli way might be, we, uh, we throw out the bad one and we keep the good ones. You know, it uh, it not affect the other one. It's good, I, I still eat it, maybe I dip it in some hummus, I dip it in some tahina, no problem, I wash it off, no problem, you eat, you eat. And it's also like if a fly lands on the soup, the question is, are you still going to eat that soup? So my friend will say, yes, we take out the fly and we eat the rest of the soup, no problem. But I don't know if we could do that. And my accent, my interpretation, my, my, uh, my pretending might not be so on key or on par, but 
the mezuzah and the sefer Torah teaches us no, you got one bad letter, the whole thing is rotten. You got one bad strawberry, the whole container is rotten. And I've seen it many times. They don't really last so long, even if our wonderful, even in our wonderful new fridge that we got recently. One bad strawberry, I'm not eating that container. I'm chucking that container. One bad blueberry, I'm not eating that container. I'm chucking it. And maybe we can learn from the mezuzah, from the letter. If one letter is gone, the whole thing is gone. The whole thing is null and void. And as our Jewish people, if one bad aspect is not good, it's not good. Because, you know, like gangrene, we should never know from such things. God forbid a diabetic, if their foot is bad, he could easily travel up and, and affect more and more. you got to chop it off. you got rid of it before anything else could be affected. you get rid of the whole thing before it could get affected. We see that one letter is off, the whole thing could be off. The Gemara points out in Menachos 34a, the sages taught in Abraisa, the Pasuk says you write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We see that from Devon. One might have thought that one writes a mezuzah on the stones of the entrance. To counter this, an expression of writing is stated here with regard to a mezuzah, and an expression of writing is stated there. Just as there, the mitzvah of writing means on a book, on parchment, so too a mezuzah must be written on a book. It must be written on a book. We are people of the book, so we need to write it on the book. The Targum Yonason points out in Devarim, Thou shalt write them on the pillars and affix them in three places, against the cupboard, upon the posts of the house, on the right hand of the gate, in the going out. We have to write it, and we have to put it wherever we can, in the doors, in the entry, in the exit, all over the place, wherever we go, whatever we do, we need those mezuzahs to be part of our life. We need those mezuzahs in our life, in our comings and goings, and we need to remember to say, Hashem Yishmort Hashem Yishmort because Hashem is the real protection. Hashem is the real security. The Gemara points out in Shabbos 22a, Rabbah said, Rabbah said, it is a mitzvah to place the Hanukkah lamp within the hand with adjacent to the entrance. The Gemara asks, where on which side does he place it? Very famous question. There is a difference of opinion. Rav Acha, son of Rava, said, on the right side of the entrance. Rav Shmuel from Difti said, on the left. And the halacha is to place it on the left so that the Hanukkah lamp will be on the left and the mezuzah on the right. One who enters the house will be surrounded by mitzvahs. We want our life to be a life where we too are surrounded by mitzvahs, we are enveloped by mitzvahs. How many mitzvahs can we have? When we enter the house, the first thing we do, the first thing we see is the mezuzah to remind us of to be occupied with mitzvahs, to see mitzvahs, and to be involved with mitzvahs. How many mitzvahs can we be involved with in our life? Do we understand and remember the doorpost of Hashem's protection? Do we remember the guardianship of Hashem, the security of Hashem, that He is our protection? Don't forget, Hashem is our protection. So if we point out in Devarim 36, Hashem teaches us that we are beloved as Israel. Hashem, sur Hashem surrounds them with the seven mitzvahs, the tefillin on the arm and the head, the mezuzah on the doors, and the tzitzahs on the four corners of the garments that we talked about before. And the Gemara points out in Megillah 8b the difference between Torah scrolls and, and the tefillin and the mezuzahs in terms of the manner in which they are written is that Torah scrolls are written in any language, whereas the tefillin and the mezuzahs are only written in Ashuris, in Hebrew, and using the Hebrew script because we need it to be that ancient, beautiful, holy script. 
Rabbeinu Bachayu, Rabbeinu Bachayu points out in Devarim, it's important to realize that through fulfillment and study of the mitzvahs, many fundamental aspects of the Torah and the outlook of Judaism have become clear to us. The belief in the creation of the world by Hashem, God's being a personal judge who supervises the fates of his creatures and he's personally involved in the fates of the creatures, the existence of the institution of, of, of having prophecy, of having being able to be a Navi, a Navua. We are all part of what we find in the segments of the Torah written in the Mezuzah. And the Mishnah Torah points out, the Rambam points out where we saw earlier, it's a universal custom to write the word Shakai, the Almighty, Shin, then Dalad, then Yud, on the other side of the Mezuzah, opposite the blank space between the two sections, to remind us who really is in charge, to remind us who really is the guardian, who really is the security. As this word is written on the outside, the practice is unobjectionable, and that's really should be done. The Gemara points out in Menachos elsewhere in 33a, Rav Zerah says that Rav Matana says that Shmuel says it is a mitzvah to place the mezuzah at the beginning of the upper third of the doorpost. And Rav Chuna says one raises the mezuzah a handbreadth from the ground, or one distances it from the crossbeam, the lintel, the handbreadth, and the entire entrance between these two branches is fit for the placement of the mezuzah. Because there's a place to put it, and there's a right way to put it, in order that we see it in a certain height, in order we see it in a certain angle, as we mentioned in the beginning of talking about the mezuzah. Tractate Mezuzah points out, in one, it's not permitted to write mezuzah on the skin of ritually unclean cattle or on skins of ritually unclean wild animals. It's permitted, however, to write them on the skins of Nevelot and Trefot, and there's no need to consider the possibility of their having been pierced with the animal's heart. I personally love the look and the feel of many different types of mezuzahs. We mentioned this earlier. My favorite is that frosted glass. It's a little bit expensive, a little bit showy, but I really like it. It's really beautiful. In our house, we did a little bit of a cheaper option just to save money. Still very pretty mezuzahs, still very nice mezuzahs, but the frosted glass is a very nice type of mezuzah. If you have a special type of mezuzah we mentioned before, you have an interesting type of mezuzah, a quirky, silly, or eccentric type of mezuzah, we'd love to hear about it. SheerEnjoymentRadio at gmail.com SheerEnjoymentRadio at gmail.com That's S-H-I-U-R-E-N-J O-Y-M-E-N-T-R-A-D-I-O at gmail.com. Our number is 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. So we talk about the mezuzah itself. We talk about where we place it and how we make it. When we moved into our house in Long Island, we called up that rabbi from the shul here. He brought us the mezuzahs that we needed with the cloths, and we had them checked by the mezuzah doctor. It was an awesome doctor. That Rabbi Moshe, he came and literally spent hours here looking at every single mezuzah, looking at every single cloth, every single parchment to make sure it was good in our own home. He came here, took them down, and put them back up. It was so cool. They are simple yet functional, like white plastic with yellow or gold laters. But I always loved the frosted glass ones with the shin I had in my room growing up. Here, of course, it has the shin too, and many mezuzahs have the shin to remind us of shin, then dalad, then yud, to remind us of Hashem, Shakai, the one who said it was enough, the one who is the shomer dal tot yisrael, the one who is our guardian, who is our protector, who is our security. I just want to point out two stories to finish up with from Chabad.org. First story is told to Safia Sara Esther Tamarkin. 
She visited the Lubavitcher Rebbe in spring of 1990. This comes from Chabad. During the visit, she asked for a blessing for her sister who had tried to have children but was told by several medical specialists that it was unlikely to happen. It really leaves a lot to be desired, by the way. A lot of these doctors do not have a good bedside manner. This person, Lola Lena, was six months to live, six weeks to live. Who are you? Are you God? God forbid it. Only Hashem, only God, the King of all kings, really knows. How can you say such things? You know, she'll never have kids. It's really unlikely. It's really not up to you. It's up to Hashem. But that's a whole side point. Anyway, the Rebbe gave her a blessing and also told the author that she should put up mezuzahs in her home. She told the Rebbe she had none, but apparently he knew. Apparently he knew, even though she didn't tell him technically, but he knew, he knew. Since she was in Brooklyn, she went down the block to the Judaica store and brought enough mezuzahs for each room of her home. She FedExed them to her, and she and her husband immediately put them on. So the, the sister goes and buys the mezuzah, sends it to the other sister that had none, at the behest and the advice of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the mezuzahs were then put up. Within a year, almost to the day of her meeting with the Rebbe, the sister had a child. Two years later, she had a second. Beautiful, and the merit of the mezuzah, maybe. Many years passed, yet the miraculous blessing never left the family. Her brother-in-law was a first responder during September 11, 2001 attacks in New York City, that very dark day, that very tragic day in our history. He was there as the World Trade Center collapsed. It was nearly impossible to get through and make phone calls to anyone caught in the area that day. There was such complete chaos that for days on end, loved ones didn't know who was alive and who had died, Lolino. Her sister was one of those, those in agony of not knowing. When she finally discovered that her husband had survived, she learned of yet another miracle. The brother-in-law remembers seeing a falling object about to crash down on him. That was his last memory before he lost consciousness. When he woke hours later, he learned that a firefighter had saved his life by pushing him out of the way of the falling debris that would have definitely killed him instantly. Why him? From all the people in the crowd, why did the firefighter save the brother-in-law? They later learned that they had children in the same class, and the firefighter had seen him at school events. Everything was moving so quickly. There was so much death, so much tragedy, so much destruction on that day in those moments. But from the fireman's basic, visceral reaction was to save the father of his child's friend. He saw that familiar face, realized this man was about to be crushed under the debris, instinctively remembered his own child, did whatever he could to save the life of another child's father. The child who was in the class of the firefighter's son was none other than the miracle child born in the merit of the blessing, the bracha of the Rebbe, who loved every person and saw the light in everyone he met. The child was born after fulfilling the mitzvah of mezuzah, which protects us in our homes, in our surroundings, and in our lives. The mitzvah of mezuzah is a protection. It protects us from everything around us. And Hashem is the protector. Hashem is the Shomer Daltot Yisrael. Hashem is the guardian of the people of Israel, protecting us in our homes and in our surroundings. And on one of the darkest days in American history, Hashem was protecting that person as well. I want to point out one other story as well from Chabad.org by Miriam Goodman. 
as Jews, as Yehudim, as Yehudim, we have a commandment, a mitzvah to place a mezuzah on each doorpost in our house. In order to ensure that the condition is not deteriorated, we check our mezuzahs at least twice in seven years, every three and a half years. The mezuzah is a parchment scroll containing a biblical passage that begins with Shema Yisrael, the Jewish declaration of faith in the one true God in Hashem. These words are powerful, also protects us from harm. Over 20 years ago, one family learned first town the power of the mezuzah. It was a few days before Rosh Hashanah and her very, very active son was playing quietly on the floor with some toys. Now this was not normal. He's a very, very active, loud, jubilant son. For him to play very quietly is very out of character. So the, the mom asked him if anything was wrong or hurt him and he said no. But when she touched his forehead, he was warm. Being an overprotective mother, she checked his temperature and the assumption was correct. He had a low-grade fever of 99 degrees. She took him to the doctor to see if some infection was brewing or starting. The doctor examined him carefully and said he didn't see anything wrong. That it was probably just a virus that in a few days would be gone. After a week of continuous low fever, the doctor decided to do blood work. Everything came back normally, but still the son had an unexpected fever. Another week passed and again he ran the blood test, this time ordering work for different types of diseases that are low-grade fever symptom. Everything came back normal. The doctor was perplexed. He didn't know what was wrong with the child. He referred to them to a pediatric specialist. The doctor to whom he sent was a non-observant Israeli who had been living in Canada for a long time. He had a fabulous reputation of getting to the source of a problem. The doctor examined the son from head to toe, took his temperature, and said he would want him to run his own tests. The doctor told them that if the results came back normal, he would have to admit the son to the hospital and do more extensive work, and this was a Thursday morning. Once again, the little boy was stabbed to draw blood. When they left the doctor's office, the husband and her, they both blurted out at the same time that the mezuzahs must be checked, even though they had been checked several months earlier. They went home, took down the businesses, and brought them to the sofa, the scribe, special person who writes them and checks them, who said that they would have them back before Shabbat, before Shabbos. Friday morning, the doctor called to say that the tests were normal and that he had made arrangements for the child to be admitted to the hospital on Sunday. Not even five minutes later, the phone rang again. This time it was a sofa. He wanted to know if they had a sick child in the house. How crazy. They said that they did, and he went on to tell that the Hebrew lettering in the mezuzah from the son's room had two cracks that changed some words to mean yelled chole, or sick child, or something like that. The words changed because of the cracks to mean sick child. The mezuzah needed to be replaced. Friday afternoon, the husband pulled up all, put up all the mezuzahs, including a new one on the son's door. The son, who had been quietly leaning on the mom while she read him a story, suddenly jumped up and became his old active self. They took his temperature, by now he really hated that, and for the first time in three weeks, three weeks, it was normal. Saturday night, Moses Shabbos, they called the doctor's service and left a message that they needed to speak to him as soon as possible. Fearing that the child was worse, excuse me, he called back right away. She related to him the story about the mezuzah. He asked to bring the son to the office that evening. The doctor re-examined the son and he took his temperature. It was normal. Mamish, anase, 
mamish, a miracle. He had heard stories about the power of a mezuzah, the doctor told them, and thought that they were just tales. This was the first time he actually saw a patient who was sick and cured because of the mezuzah. May this mezuzah always protect everyone in the Jewish nation. And they wrote a postscript also that 30 years, the 20 years happened since that original story. Over the years they had mezuzahs checked many times. The scribe always proclaimed them kosher. But a couple of weeks before Hanukkah, the husband told her that it had been a long time since they last checked the mezuzahs. They had a feeling it was time to check them again. The husband called the scribe, made the arrangement. The scribe told him that he could pick them up that day, would bring them back in the evening. After checking the mezuzahs, the scribe called, the sofer called, and said that they had two non-kosher mezuzahs. One mezuzah was from the bedroom, the other was from the mamad, the safe room. And Hashem works in strange ways. Shabbos Hanukkah was the start of the war in Gaza. They had five air raid sirens that day. Four grand missiles sent by Hamas landed inside the city of Nativa where they were. One landed not very far from them. Each time the wail from the air raid sirens told them to go to the safe room. Imagine seeking shelter in a room that had a non-kosher mezuzah, God forbid. Because God knows everything. Thankfully, through his hand, the mezuzahs were checked and the safe room was really safe. Because when we think about mezuzah, we think about the Shomer Daltot Yisrael, the guardian, the protector of the people of Israel. We think about the real security in our lives, and that is Hashem Himself. It's not anyone else. It's not anything else. It's not any company or product or lock. It's all Hashem all the time. He is our protector. He is our guardian. He makes sure that we are involved in safety and make sure that we're being protected. So if you have a special mezuzah or a special mezuzah story, now would be the time to hear it in our last minute or so. After going through the stories, after going through the sources, thinking about the mezuzah, thinking about what it represents, thinking about how to make it, why it's on an angle, what's written on it, how high it should be, and how that's what you should look at the last thing you leave, and when the first thing when you come in, that Hashem Yishmur Tzaisi Uva'asi, Hashem is watching our comings and goings, Hashem is the protector, Hashem is the one. If you have something to contribute, if you have something to add, send us an email at shirenjoymentradio at gmail.com, S-H-I-U-R-E-N-J-O-Y-M-E-N-T, radio at gmail.com, Radio at gmail.com. Our number is 520-453-8302. Our number is 520-453-8302. We talked here tonight about mezuzah, the doorpost of Hashem's protection. Here on this show, on the radio show, we're trying to talk some topics for the week for the audience members to keep. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, whether lecture-related or regular radio-related, we're happy to hear, we're happy to do, and we're happy to accommodate. Send us an email at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com and call us at 520-453-8302. Of course, our time slot is Mondays at 8.30, aside from when a holiday or a Yom Tov falls out on that, maybe Shavuos might happen. But you can let us know any topic you want discussed, we could talk about. God willing, if it's appropriate for the show, appropriate for the audience, appropriate for Judaism and for life. And we could talk about it. Sheer Enjoyment Radio at gmail.com. Our number again, 520 453 8302. 
520-453-8302. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk some topics for the week for the audience members to keep joining us next time, God willing, on Tani Talks Radio. And thank you for joining us, where we are brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio. We are hosted by Radio.co. This is Tani Talks Radio, and I'm your host, Tani. <laughs>